All right. Well, uh, I think I know or at least recognize most of you in this room. But for anybody who doesn't know me, my name is Matt Lukenville. I am the junior high pastor here at Perimeter. And one of the coolest things uh, that, I, that I realized about this gold rush is this. Yes, that event. No gold rush. One of the coolest things about this rush is that uh, everybody here was in junior high since I've been the youth pastor, or the junior high pastor here. So I came in halfway through, those who are now seniors, I came in halfway through their eighth grade year. So not all of you were involved at that point in time, but a number of you were, and so that's pretty cool, and I thought that was pretty pretty cool, Mark, and especially cool guys like James. Um, so, <laughs> Davon's cheerleading something back there. Well, one of the, I want to, Emilio and I have the next, I think it's about 45 minutes, where we are going to talk about uh, really what we call this every year is evangelism training. And this is something that we as Presbyterians generally struggle a little bit more in. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, there, there's just a lot of various different factors to it. So one of the, one of the factors I think that comes into that is uh, last night, we got in a, about an hour, hour and a half conversation with one of our children uh, about a cross-dresser who is at their school, so a girl who now wants to be called a guy, and we got talking about homosexual marriage, and we got talking about all these different things, and we got talking about truth, and how do you bring truth into those conversations, and then we talked about how do you love and accept them, and kind of the, the tension that began to develop is that on the one hand, you have people, and you have people who call themselves Christians, that they go way over on one extreme, that all they do is treat people with love and acceptance. They never bring any truth to it. Or on the other extreme, you have all these Christians out here who do nothing but bring truth and judgment to people who aren't living a moral life. And the reality is when you look at the gospel, when you look at the way Paul approached people, when you look at the way Peter preached his sermons, when you look at the gospels and you look at how Jesus walked through life with people, what you see is this beautiful blend of love on one extreme and truth on the other extreme and he brings them together and, he, and, he, and Jesus comes in and he loves people well, but he never hesitates to bring truth. See, one of the lies that I think a lot of us have bought into in our culture that is so easy is that we are supposed to be, the, I think three of the biggest values of our culture that are never, ever spoken is that we are to be tolerant, we are to be nice, and we are to be fair. Not one of those are biblical commands. You can't find any of those in the Bible anywhere. God is not tolerant. God stands for truth. God is not nice. God is loving, and that's very different than being nice. And God is not fair. God is just. So when we look at other people, we look at people who aren't believers. We even look at people, whether and whether that person's not grown up in the church or whether that person has grown up in the church. When we look at people, how do we bring that balance? How do we begin to have this balance of bringing uh, love on the one hand and truth on the on the other. And so the idea that Emilio and I want to convey today is simply that idea of how do we start with the love and gradually move that relationship more and more towards speaking truth to them. And here's the value of speaking truth. Let me ask you this question. 
Would you be where you are today in your spiritual journey and your spiritual walk if you hadn't had a parent, a youth pastor, a small group leader, another significant spiritual figure in your life not look at you and go, you're being a moron, knock it off and start chasing Jesus. How many of y'all have had somebody do that in your life? I would venture to say if you're a believer, you've every one of you, I've had countless people do that to me in my life. But you know why they were able to say that to me? Because I knew that they loved me. I knew that they cared more about me than they cared about what I did or what I provided for them. I knew that that person loved me. And that doesn't matter whether it was a pastor, a youth pastor, my parents. It doesn't matter whether it was a friend. It doesn't matter whether it was a teacher or a coach or whoever it was. I knew first and foremost that they loved me. So when they got brought truth, I was humble. I was, I was willing to listen and humbled by it. So how do we begin to do that? And the reality is it's a lot easier than you think it is, okay? Because it simply starts with how do you begin to love people? Uh, you become friends with them. How do you become friends with somebody? You all have friends. At least I hope you all have friends. Um, if you don't have friends, come talk to me. I'll be your friend. Uh, but, uh, uh, but how do you begin a friendship? Well, you start off and you go, hey, my name's Matt. What's your name? And he says Darion because that's Darion. Um, he's in my small group. He's in my discipleship group now, so I like to pick on him. Um, the, uh, be nice to Darion. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so what you do is you simply begin by asking somebody's name, right? Duh. Okay, Matt, this is not rocket science. No, it's really not. But we get afraid, we get scared, we get worked up, we get worried, we get worried about offending somebody, so we don't want to take some of these steps. But then it begins to simply move into what do you like, what do you don't like? Tell me about your family. Tell me uh, what's going on in your life. And all of a sudden, somebody starts to share something deep. And starting that spiritual conversation can simply start with this. Hey, you just shared something deep. Can I pray for you? And... You can offer, and at that point in time, you can just say, I'll pray for you right now, or I'll let you know I'm going to pray for you tonight. Or maybe somebody shares something with you on text, and you go, hey, just want to let you know I just prayed for you. And all of a sudden, you start to open up that window just a little bit. So you begin by that little step. And then that second step is perhaps you start to move into a simple question of Tell me about your spiritual journey. Tell me about your spiritual experience. How do you feel about God, Jesus, Bible, church? Tell me what your background is. The person could be Jewish. The person could be Muslim. The person could be atheist. The person could be like 80% of the people in Atlanta, and they go to church on Christmas and Easter, and that's it. There's nothing really all that significant in their spiritual journey. But it's just simply asking that question. What, how, what is your spiritual journey like? What did that look like? And here's the coolest part, and this is where it really begins to open up the door. Because if I'm going to ask you what your spiritual journey is like, what are you probably going to do? Hopefully, you're probably going to ask me, right? And if you don't, that's okay. I've got an in and go, I've earned the right now to share my own spiritual story because I asked you about yours. So, hey, do you mind if I share, if I share what my spiritual journey is with you? And so I threw up, uh, there's a timeline thing. I think Emilio briefly mentioned this last year. Um, but there's a timeline 
that I created. This is probably my own spiritual journey. And so this kind of gives you, this can kind of give you a little bit of a map for if you draw this out. So you could either draw this out and you could think about it ahead of time, or you could draw it right on a napkin or a piece of paper or your phone or whatever, and you could show it to people. So I was born April 14th, 1976. I, what's that? Hey, I'm not as old as Jeff. Um, <laughs> so I was born April 14th, 1976. That little flat line there is just simply the fact that I grew up in the church I was born. We went to church every single week, day in, day out, and we were just there, and it was just kind of this like, just kind of learning. And then I started to hit junior high, and I began to explore. And I began to explore what this whole Christian gospel thing was. I began to ask my dad questions. I began to ask my pastor questions. I began to ask, I began to read my Bible more and more. I went to a Bible study in junior high. I still remember sitting in Bancroft Congregational Church and having a Bible study with, you know, 15 or 20 of us sitting around in a circle and just having, and I just remember looking at my Bible, trying to ask these questions and trying to figure out what it all was. And so somewhere in the neighborhood of seventh grade, I quote-unquote prayed the prayer to ask Jesus into my life. But what you notice is that line very quickly takes a deep dive to the right. And what happened is I hit eighth grade and ninth grade and tenth grade, and I went through this deep rebellion. And when I finally got called out, when I finally had a youth pastor and my parents and some friends speak truth into my life and go, Matt, you're a moron, knock it off. Okay, it was people that I knew loved me, so they spoke truth, and all of a sudden I went, oh, I got it. I'm not in the one in control. I'm, God is the one in control, and I need to live for him and him alone. But here's something I want you to point out. That does not, so that's probably the moment, I put a little cross by that one, because that's probably the, one of the moments or somewhere right in that frame where I really started to fall in love with Jesus. And so what happened is, you see this little squiggly line that keeps going, well, somewhere in the neighborhood of college is when I really finally started to live my life fully sold out for Jesus. I loved Jesus between my junior and senior year, but the reality is there were still some pretty major sins that were hanging on to my life that I hadn't repented of, that I hadn't turned from, or I'm sorry, I had repented of, but I hadn't turned from. They still had this grasp and hold on my life, and I kept falling but I kept growing at the same time. And eventually I hit college and just some light bulbs went off in college. And from that day to today, however many years ago that was, give or take 20, um, that all of a sudden it's just been this slow growth. But if you notice that squiggly line keeps going because I have highs and I have lows. I have times when I feel closer to God, times when I feel more distant. And you do that, and I probably did that in what, three minutes? where you draw that out on a piece of paper, you draw that out on a napkin, you draw that out someplace, and all of a sudden, you just explained the gospel and you just explained your spiritual journey to somebody else. And then at the end, you just stop. Now, so in the progress of this friendship, what's just happened is you've just demonstrated to somebody that you love them by asking them who they are, asking them about them, learning about them, spending time with them. You've asked them if you can pray for them, and so they go, okay, there's something different about this person. They're asking if they can pray for me. Because, by the way, I've never had anybody, it doesn't matter how pagan they are, what re religion they're from, nobody's ever told me, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Because if they told me, no, I don't want you to pray for you, I was like, okay, cool, I'm not going to pray now, but I'm going to walk away and I'm going to pray for you. Um, and, uh, and so you pray, you've 
you've opened that door to pray for them. You've asked them about their spiritual journey. You've had an opportunity to share your spiritual journey, which means that you've begun to share the gospel with them. And then from there, you can go from inviting them to church or inviting them to a youth group event, or you just start to get them around God's people. You offer to explore the Bible with them and to help them learn and grow and understand. Now, at some point in time, you're going to have an opportunity to really challenge them about the actual gospel itself and ask them where they are and what do you believe. So you've asked them about their spiritual journey, which is different about asking them whether they're a Christian or not. You've asked them about their spiritual journey. Now the relationship's progressed a little bit more, and you're like, you know what? I really need to find out where this person stands in relationship to Jesus. So we have another graphic, and I, this one's just, both of these, by the way, are swiped from Randy Pope. And so there's this graphic that Randy Pope talks about called the cloud of doubt. And what you can do is simply draw this out, because visuals are always good. Uh, it's always good to look at things. You draw this out, and you draw a line, and you go, okay, on the far left is you're not a Christian, that number one. So maybe you draw it out and you put a one and you go, okay, if you're not, a, you know, option one would be that you're flat out not a believer. You know you're not a believer. You have no interest in being not a believer, okay? But at some point in time, stuff begins to change. And maybe you move into number two, where you enter into this cloud of doubt where you're really not sure where you are, but yet you're not yet a believer. So cloud number two could be somebody who says, you know what, I'm not a believer, but man, this whole Christian thing really intrigues me. And I'm exploring and I'm asking questions and you're getting into good, deep spiritual conversations with them. And maybe that's where they identify themselves. Or you start to talk to somebody and they think they're a believer, but they're really not. So this summer, I had opportunity to talk with a former student. And uh, so as um, as this student and I are sitting down talking, he looks at me and goes, yeah. He's like, I did this navigator's internship this summer, and my boss told me, hey, I really don't think you're a believer. And he said, it really pissed me off bad. Because this kid had grown up in the church. He was just like every one of you. He had been in the church since the day he was born. His dad was an elder. His dad was on the hiring committee that hired me to be the youth pastor at his church many, many years ago. And so it just really ticked him off bad. When this guy looked at him and said, I don't think you're a believer. But that's exactly the point that he began to break. See, he had relationship with his boss enough that his boss brought truth, and that began a conversation with him that he began to really explore, what do I believe and what don't I believe? Which, led, which then led us to a conversation sitting uh, in a restaurant in Milton, and he and I are talking, and all of a sudden, I, I just remember looking at him at one point and going, you're tired of fighting. You've been trying to live with your life in two different worlds for so many years. You look miserable. And he looks at me, and tears start to roll down his face, and he's going, yeah, I am. I said, then surrender. And I was able to challenge him. And, and he would actually say that it was through the navigators and through that experience and through that conversation that he began to break and he began to become a believer. But it started with him thinking that he was a believer. And it took somebody with boldness going, I don't see it. I don't see the fruit. I don't see it happening in your life. I don't see it. And as a result, 
he moved from death to life. He moved to a life of walking with Jesus. And it's been amazing the last few months to see how, how on fire he's become. He got so charged up and fired up. The very first day of work, he led his very first day at a new job, he led his boss to Christ, which was just amazing. Because he was just so fired up about, I got it. This whole gospel thing makes sense. But it started with somebody going, no, this is where you really are. And it was just, it's a really cool story to see how God's used that. But it's when somebody has loved them well and spoken truth. So the third phase is you've become a believer, but you're really not sure and you're still learning and growing. And that's a fun place to be because people are excited. You can come alongside them and go, hey, look, how can I help you out? And then the final place is that you are a believer showing fruit in their lives. So and they begin to show fruit in their lives. So the idea behind this is this idea of spiritual progression and spiritual conversations and how do you move through it. So here's what I want to take the next few minutes to do. Um, I want you to break up into groups of two or three. And what I want you to do is I want you to share two things. The first thing I want you to share is what would, I want you to draw it out. Y'all have pens, y'all have paper. Draw out your timeline. Draw out where you, where your squiggly lines go and, and where you think you became a Christian, but then where you really thought you became a Christian, where you really know that you became a Christian, and draw that out. And then after a few minutes, I'll ask you to transition. And what I want you to do is I want you to come back and I want you to identify, we'll just leave that graphic up on the screen. I want you to identify on that graphic where you are right now. Where do you think you really are right now? So grab two, three, maybe as many as four people and do your spiritual journey, and then I'll transition us. Father, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity that we have to, first of all, just pray with our friends and to pray about Rush and to pray about the awesome things that you're going to be doing, um, not just that week, but even uh, in the weeks leading up. And uh, Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, share the gospel, Lord. Thank you for the fact that we live in a, in a country where we can do that. Um, Father, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, first of all, will y'all turn around and say hey to my kids? Hey, Grace. Hey, Isabella. Hey, Caleb. They're so cute. They're the cutest kids in the world. Let's just be honest. They're so cute. Hey, let's go ahead and do this. Why don't y'all go ahead and kind of come more towards the front? I'm not going to make you sit in your seats because we will get back in our groups just for a little bit, um, these same groups that you're in. But I do want to continue this conversation about evangelism, what that looks like, sharing the gospel. And, and I'll say this, I love what Matt said in, in his, uh, his piece. I love the fact that he said, like, you know, one of the things that evangelism is, one of the ways that we do it is by loving people, which, like, if, hey, Isabel, are you back there? Isabel, what do hoods do? Love people, yeah. So cute. Aw, she's the cutest. So, you know, one of the things like our family, we say that hoods love people. That's, that's the thing that hoods are going to do. If you don't know, my name's Emilio Hood, my last name. A lot of y'all might not know that. Y'all might have thought it was like Gonzalez. It's not. Um, but so, so hoods love people. But then the, the second part was, was that when we evangelize, when we share the gospel, we're also called to, to share the truth. And I think we get to that point by loving people, Right? So I love we did that, and hopefully y'all had the chance to work on, on that cloud, on that line. I think that's such a beautiful and simple picture of, that kind of shows really even just us where we are. It's a, it's a nice little wake-up call. Um, so hopefully y'all are in a good place. Hopefully y'all are at four, I'm just saying. <laughs>
Hey, so here's my favorite way to share the gospel. Y'all ready for this? Good question, Garrett. I love doing life with people. I love just like, loving people. I love just to hang out. I love grabbing coffee with guys in my D group. I love being able to sit with somebody and, and pray for them. I love to do life. I don't know, you, maybe you guys have heard this thing called life on life. I don't know if you've heard it. That's what we do here at Perimeter Church. If you haven't heard of it, there's serious issues. You should probably come to church on a Sunday. I'm just, I'm gonna call you out. You should be here on Sunday. You should be here at Watershed or at J-High and make sure you're here at serving team meetings. There's another plug right there. One of the ways that we can share the gospel is by sharing our lives. I'm, I'm gonna read to y'all a verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Does anybody have it memorized? You should. I don't, but I'm gonna read it. Because, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. How beautiful a picture is that, that we love you so much. And, and when I say, when you, when you pray that, I would encourage you to pray over that 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Pray over that. And when you, you say, we love you so much, start thinking about those people that will be in your small group. I know Travis is up here and he's already encouraging you to pray for your small group. As you do that, remember that you're gonna love them so much that you're gonna share with them the gospel. You're gonna share with them the truth, the good news, but you're also gonna share your life. You're gonna share your life with that. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways to share the gospel. And here's why. Because when you do that, people begin to hear and see Jesus in you. Do y'all believe that? I do. One of my favorite stories, I was at this uh, Young Life camp like five years ago. And we were sitting together, me and a group of guys. And, and I had a couple of my high school friends from Duluth there. And we shared a cabin with some guys from North Gwinnett High School. And there was like seven or eight of them. And, and we were kind of talking, and my friend Jackson, North Gwinnett, yeah, go Bulldogs, I guess. Um, but so, so my friend Jackson, we're sitting, we're, we're sitting there in the circle, and he asked this question. He's an unbeliever. He, he doesn't believe in Jesus at this point. And the thing for him that was holding him back was, he goes, you know, I just wish that I could see Jesus. Like, I wish that I could just see him face to face. And I looked at him. And my buddy Brad, my best friend, he's kind of sitting there. He has no idea I'm going to do this. I said, Jackson, look at Brad. And he did, and it was kind of weird because when guys, like, make eye contact like that, it's just weird. But I, like, embrace the weirdness. That's what I do. Um, so they're, they're making eye contact. and say, you look at Brad, and I say, you, you see Jesus in him. And I started asking him questions like, what, what, like how have you gotten to know Brad? He was like, well, I mean, that's how Jackson sounds. I mean, Brad comes to my swim stuff. I was like, yeah, he comes to your swim meets. What else? He's like, oh, Brad comes to my lunches. Like Brad was investing in him. He was sharing his life. He was speaking truth. And without Jackson knowing it, he was sharing Jesus with him. To that point where, like Matt was saying, he had loved Jackson so well that we got to this point where we're in this, this camp for a week and Brad did get to speak to him some truth and some hard truths. He called him out on some things. And then he got to pray with Jackson to accept Christ for the first time. And it all started because Brad was willing to share his life and share the gospel by the way he lived, by the way he acted, by the way he spoke to him, by showing up, by showing up. So we had this opportunity to share our lives with hundreds of students for an entire week. And I'm not just talking about like our small groups. I think sometimes it's easy for us to just focus on our small groups 
but we also get the chance to share our lives when we're doing missions. And, and even if you're not like at some apartment complex, maybe you're at Rainbow Village and you're cleaning a closet or something like that, you get to share the gospel by how you act and how you interact with, with people. The way you speak to people, you're sharing the gospel. But maybe you do get to go to an apartment complex and you're like, you're painting fa- like some little kid's face and he's so cute and now he looks like a tiger. Or, or maybe you get to meet a kid who's actually in high school or, or closer to your age. You have the opportunity then to share the gospel, to share your life, to love that person and to invite them. I remember one of my favorite Rush stories. Back then it was Gold Rush, but now it's Rush. So let's go ahead and say Rush. One of my favorite Rush stories was, was a couple of summers ago, there was this girl, uh, Kat Saunders, you know, she went to Norcross High School and she just finished her junior year and she was working one of these missions things and she was you know, hanging out with kids and there's some teenagers there and this girl came up to her and, and they started talking, they started a conversation. That's all it started, it started a conversation. Catherine like started sharing her life with her and, and, and then she did this and it was crazy. She invited her to, to come to Rush and, and like, come to one of the evening things. And I think she did one night. I don't, I wish I could say, and she definitely came. I don't remember that, but here's what I do remember is that you know, after summer ended, and guess what happens after summer ends? You go back to school. You do. I don't, actually I do. That's weird now. I am in school. But so, so Catherine, gets, she, goes, she shows up to lunch and she sits down and she sees this girl that she met at Rush. Hey, buddy. My son calls me mama. It's weird. <laughs> um, but so, 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 so Catherine sees this girl that she had met at, at like one of the missions projects. And so you know what she does? She just sat there and did nothing. I'm just kidding. She went over to her table and she sat down with this girl that she had met. And then she met all of her friends and she got to share some truth with not just this girl, but her friends. And it all started because she was willing to share a little bit of her life during the mission project. How cool is that? And of course, you know, if you've ever come to Rush, you'll see that there's gonna be people who are gonna stand up and say, this week I accepted Christ for the first time. Or people are gonna be uh, just excited about Jesus all over again. You guys get to be the reason why. You get to invest yourself into them and like Matt said, you get to ask them questions. You get to invest in them. You get to hear them to the point where these people are going to see Jesus in you. Like they'll see and hear Jesus from the, uh, the people who are speaking on the stage and through the worship band and through the design and through all the setup and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the relationship with, with you that I think is going to really bring them to the cross for the first time. It's really going to bring them to know Jesus in a way that they never knew before. You guys have the privilege to be a part of their story. You guys have the privilege of when they, one day they do that little line, like they're gonna remember conversations with you. How cool is that? What a privilege to be sitting in this room and knowing that you're gonna have an impact on someone's life. Let that soak in for just a minute. God is going to use you to bring people to him. He wants to and he will. We get to share our lives. So what does that look like? If you, if you turn in your little handout, there's a page that literally call, is called Sharing Your Life, right? Am I wrong? What's it called? 
Share your story. Just kidding. I made this myself. Next page? No, before that. Evangelism training. Page four. That's what Garrett says. Page four. Hey, so there's, what, here's the thing, like, you're going to get to share your life, and I would encourage you to do this even in your group, when, when you guys are in your, in your groups today, when you're meeting as your teams. I would even, a team leaders, start encouraging people to share their story now so that by the time rush comes, they will be an expert at sharing their story. Because here's, here's my opinion and the opinion of, of people smarter than me. You should be able to share your story in three minutes. Three minutes. A lot of people just went, what? Yeah, in three minutes. So to do that, I think we can break up our story in three parts, right? So you'll see part one, and says, we lost it all. Here's, here's what I mean by that. When you're sharing your story, spend 30 seconds to maybe a minute talking about what your life looked like before Jesus. Before Jesus, what did that look like? We lost it all. Talk about sin. Talk about your separation from the Father. Talk about the things that maybe kept you from really desiring a relationship with Jesus. You know, for me, I might share a little bit about my story, about things that happened in my past with, with my family. Maybe I'll talk about a little bit of, of me trying to fill this need that I felt I had, but I try to fill it with acceptance and popularity or partying or sports. See, I try to, I, you know, we have this need and often we try to fill it with other things. But then you get to part two about that moment where you accept Christ. And I'll share maybe what happened leading up before that when, when you accept Christ and the things right after. So I would talk about how, you know, I, I got to go on this trip and, I, and it was paid for, but I didn't want to go because I wanted to go to the beach. I went to Colorado instead. I know, poor me, poor me. And then I heard the gospel in a way that was just beautiful. And like Matt said, it, was, it really started with people investing in me and loving me and then sharing that truth. Again, just a reminder, that gets to be y'all this summer. I'm gonna keep saying that because I think that's great. I think it's cool. But, so you talk about that moment that you accepted Jesus, that, that moment where it clicked, that moment where you realized that, that God was calling you to him. And, then, and as you know, when God calls you to him, you can't turn away. It's irresistible. And it's beautiful. And you get to share that with these people. What does that look like? What, what did that look like for you? And I say that too because I think as you share your story, I think for a lot of kids it'll make sense because I think a lot of people hesitate to, to take that leap of faith to start a relationship with Jesus because they're waiting for like the angel to sing or they're waiting for that shooting star or they're waiting for a unicorn to come out of the closet and say, hey, accept Jesus. If a unicorn came out of my closet, I would, let's be honest. But I think if, if we explain our story and what that looks like, I think that'll help and go a long way in helping other people realize what their story is looking like, what their story will shape up to be. And then part three, you'll talk about your life since, since then. And here's something that's important to know when you're sharing that, be clear, life with Jesus is incredible. It's, it's filled with the joy. It's, it's filled with this, with this joy that can only come from Jesus. You know, John 10, 10 says, you know, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. I love that verse, life to the full. That's a life with Jesus. But share with them, explain to them that at the same time, it's, it's not easy, that it is hard. You looked at Matt's graph and there's still, he's growing, but there's still ups and downs, right? That's our life today too. So make that clear 
as you share your story. I love it. And you guys have this opportunity to share your, your story. You get to share the gospel. You get to do that by sharing your life. And that is my favorite part of Rush. My favorite part of the entire week is you know, after the concert of prayer, when people stand up and, and say they accept Christ. My favorite part isn't so much the kids raising their hand. I mean, let's be honest, that's awesome. That's great. But I love knowing that they're, they're raising their hands because of the impact that God is having on their lives through you. So here's what I wanna do for five minutes. For five minutes, get back in those groups. Four minutes, get back in those groups and start practicing just a little bit or maybe get an idea of what would that look like to share your story. Maybe you can encourage one another. Actually, you know what, let's take that back. That's gonna take way too long. We're not gonna do that. You need 20 minutes for that. Four minutes is silly. Here's what I want y'all to do. Spend these next four minutes and just pray for each other because sharing your story, sharing your life, sharing the gospel can be hard. It can be difficult, but it's something that I hope you know you're being called to do this year. So spend time, get back in those groups and just pray for one another, lift each other up. And then at 11.45, I'll close this in prayer.